Welcome to the Audacity Church Podcast. We pray that you are blessed by what you hear today. We love to hear stories of what God is doing in people's lives. Take some time to share your story of how God is working in your life and email us at amen at loveservego.com. Now prepare your heart to hear from God today. As uh, Pastor Tyson mentioned, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about this book. It's called uh, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. And uh, it was written by a guy named Mark Batterson. And uh, he wrote this book several years ago. I read it a few years ago. And when I did, it really changed the way that I think about uh, ad- uh, facing adversity. It changed the way that I think about uh, how to overcome challenges. And so uh, I couldn't wait to uh, preach on this. And so it's been probably four or five years uh, but I believe that now's the right time for our church um, to uh, learn what it means to chase a lion. And so if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, or your apps, we're cool with that, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 23. And I want to kind of put some context here for our benefit. Uh, there's a, a king named David. And David has some men that surround him. And these men... Uh, are what are called the mighty men. And it lists them for us so we can see who hung out with David. And this guy is one of them. It's going to tell us his story. In verse chapter 23, verse 20. And Benaiah, the son of Jehudiah, was a valiant man of Kabzeel, a doer of great deeds. He struck down two aerials of Moab, and he also went down and struck down a lion in a pit on a day when snow had fallen. And he struck down an Egyptian, a handsome man. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but Benaiah went down to him with a staff and snatched the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. These things did Benaiah, the son of Jehodiah, and won a name beside the three mighty men. Let's pray. Father, we do love you. We thank you that we can make much of you and worship you. And uh, Father, we know that you're a good Father, a loving Father. And so uh, we come to you now. Our hearts are receptive. We want to learn from you. and We want to hear your word tonight. Father, I pray that if someone in this room is um, struggling with a challenge, maybe it's adversity in a relationship, maybe it's finances, or maybe they just need to know that you're real. I pray that you'd speak to their hearts tonight. Father, I believe that you will, and I ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. I said this last week that the Bible is an interesting book, and a lot of times it's hard to read without proper context, and I believe that there's um, a lot of times that we're not given detail. So this is what we know. A guy named Benaiah um, chased down a lion when it was snowing, went down into a pit, and he did that so that he could kill this lion. And I think my question really is, who chases lions? Like, have you been to the zoo? And have you seen the size of a lion? That's nothing that I would even think about doing, right? But, there, for the, but God puts this story in here for us. Tyson, I am getting our music right here. You can go and help him. I don't know. Uh, that would be great. Um, and so I, I, um, when I think about someone that has the audacity, pardon the pun, to chase a lion, like, I, I want to know what's wrong with him. Like, did his mom drop him on his head when he was little? 
Uh, was he, did he have something that he was trying to prove? I mean, there, there clearly is something wrong with someone that chases a lion. Or is this someone that embraces their God-given destiny? Is this someone that believes that God is with them no matter what they are going through? And so that's what I want us to do. I want us to kind of take another part of his story. Last week, what we learned is how to unlearn our fears. And we do this. How do you unlearn fears? One of the things that we do is we spend time with God. And if we spend time with God studying his words, this is what I believe. And, and I could sit down with you and I can show you why I believe this. I mean, let me just put this side note. I was raised in a Christian home. I'm very, very thankful. I was raised in a very conservative denomination. Less thankful, but still somewhat thankful for that, okay? And, uh, and so when I was, I was about 18, 17 years old, I started to have all these questions. And I really didn't, I didn't know what to believe anymore. And so I just went on a quest to understand truth. The first thing I did as a, as a you know, I was 18 or 17 years old and I knew everything. Uh, but I thought I could learn something. So I went out and I bought the uh, Idiot's Guides to the World Religions. I still own them. And I went through it and I was trying to see if, like, do all paths lead to the same God? And I can tell you they don't. Do all people worship the same Jesus? I can tell you they don't. And I started to unpack what it meant in my life. And I was trying to come to an understanding of could I trust the word of God. This is what I believe. The Bible is 66 books. It was written by 40 different authors. It was written over a time span of a few thousand years. It was written on three different continents. And it was written on three different languages. And yet it all points to the same person, to the same moment in history. And it's all about Jesus. And so as we're studying this story, I want you to understand as we're quoting from Scripture that you can believe that it's true. And you can learn how to apply it to your life. And I believe that God's voice is still speaking clearly through Scripture. This week, I'm, uh, uh, I just finished up. Um, most pastors I know, oh, I've got to be careful. Nah, some pastors, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Um, they study so that then they can share. And, and I have to do that. That's part of it. But I want to have just a quiet time where I allow God to speak to me. Where it's not about me studying so that I can share with you. It's just about me and Jesus. And so for the last few months I've been in the book Ezekiel. And it was interesting to me that any time that I was just struggling with something. Or any time I needed God to answer a question or to give me direction. A lot of times he would give it to me right out of Ezekiel. It's not coincidental. I always also try to read a psalm and a proverb every day just for my own benefit. And I was amazed at how many times God would use whatever I was going through in that circumstance to speak to, his, speak to me through his word. And he, wants, he doesn't do that to, for preachers. He does it for people that trust his son Jesus. And so he wants to do the same thing for you. And so as we unpack this story tonight, and I've taken a little bit more time than I'd like to in the introduction. But I want you to know that how you overcome Fear is by spending time in God's presence so that you can hear His voice, so that you can get your true identity. Everything that God wants you to know about Him, He put in that book. Everything God wants you to know about you, He put in that book. And He put it there so that you could fall more in love with Him and so that you could see Him as He sees you. He doesn't see you as a failure. He doesn't see you as someone that's got a checkered past. He doesn't see you. He sees you as the apple of his eye is what the book of Deuteronomy says. He sees you as his beloved as the book of Song of Solomon teaches us. He sees you and he's in love with you. 
That's how you can unlearn fears. Another thing that you can do is just allow, the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. When you know that He loves you, it removes irrational fears. So some of you know what lion you're supposed to chase. Some of you, it's been nagging at you. You're like, you know what, I'm supposed to start that business. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to go back to school. Whatever it might fill in the blank. And you know what that lion is. And some of you have muffled the voice of the lion. Some of you have been so afraid of it that you're running from it. And I want you to have the courage to chase the lion. And so today, tonight, my goal is to give you three things. Everybody say three things. To embrace uncertainty. Because this is what I'll guarantee you. The moment you start to chase this lion, the moment you decide, you know what, I'm going to do something for God, or I'm going to do something that God's asked me or called me to do. The moment that you begin to chase, uncertainty will set in. Like I was thinking about it this week about Benaiah, right? Whatever the story is, we don't have a lot of backdrop. He starts chasing after a lion. First question for me is, why is the lion running from him, right? So Benaiah must have really scared him or knew he was chasing him. He must have done something. He's chasing the lion. He's doing what God has called him to do. He's fulfilling his destiny. And I wonder as he's running, when it sets in, like, what am I doing chasing a lion? The uncertainty had to hit him. I wonder if it was people that he looked at. Maybe as he's chasing this lion, he looks over at somebody and they're like, Benaiah, don't chase a lion. Things are going to kill you. Benaiah, what are you doing? I mean, think about your family. I wonder what was said, what what was going through Benaiah's head, and how in this moment he had to embrace uncertainty. I would have screamed, Benaiah, stop, fool. I mean, that's what I would have done. I don't know that I would be like, oh, I'm going to get him with you and start running along the side of Benaiah. But our goal at this church is to run alongside you and help you chase your lion. And when your friends and your family and maybe your boss or your old professor tells you, you can't pull that off, you're not sharp enough to do that, we're going to tell you that the way things have always been don't have to be the way things always are. We want you to have hope that you can trust that God's got a good plan for your life. So you're going to have to embrace uncertainty. So how do we do this? Write this down. Point number one is faith is embracing uncertainty. It really is. A lot of times, our life of faith is really embracing uncertainty. And that's just one dimension of the Christian faith. Uncertainty is whenever we reach a place of hesitancy and doubt. And as we begin to chase lions, I am sure you're going to face uncertainty more than once. I, I can imagine um, that there are, there's a difference to me in cowardice fears And then real fears. How many of you watch Sherlock? All right, a few of you. Okay, so this won't go. Everybody else, I'm sorry. I'm going to quote him. Sherlock Holmes last week said this, that fear is wisdom in the face of danger. Fear is the wisdom in the face of danger. So how do we determine whether it's a cowardice fear, something we really shouldn't be afraid of, it's irrational, we need to let it go, Or how do we allow maybe a a real fear to sharpen our senses? How do we know the difference between a cowardice fear and um, um, embracing uncertainty? So I'm going to give you two examples. Example number one. 
Uh, Ashley and I home educate. Uh, we do it because we believe God's called us to do it. We don't do it because we like think the school system and need blah. That's not why we do it. Ashley believes that God has called her to do this for our family. We just had uh, our you know hundredth child, and I told her the other day, I said, like, "Do you realize that you're going to be home educating for forty years?" And uh, she just looked at me with uh, joy. I think I think that's what it was. I couldn't tell. And um, but. Uh, in our little homeschooling like posse, you know, um, with you know, we really just want to raise weird kids, right? That you know can't function in society. That's why we're doing it. Hashtag sarcasm. And uh, but there's people in our in our like circle of homeschoolishness. They do it out of fear. They homeschool their kids as a way of protecting them. So they think. And I believe that some of those people are really setting their children up for failure. We've seen it, right? We've seen, like, you, you, you know what, and I don't want to, that's one way. You're not, it's, a, it's a irrational fear. Let me give you another irrational fear. My second child, my daughter, is 15 years old. And she believes falsely, I hope, uh, that God has called her to join the military. So when you think about your little baby girl, like, and then you think about her going, into the military, I, I, I don't, I'm not okay with it. I, I get fearful. It's one of the things she believes she's called to do. She's still praying through. She told me the other day, she goes, you know, Dad, I've just been praying about it, and I just want God to give me a peace. I'm like, baby, you're 15. Let's wait till you're 30 to talk about moving out of the house and anything else. You know, I mean, it's fine. But here's where it's an irrational fear. If I'm honest... I feel that Maya is less safe in a brigade in Afghanistan than she would be in a highway in Tulsa. Like God's sovereign providential control is better in Tulsa than it is across the sea. No, it isn't. When we think about that, right? It's irrational. For us to say that God is, is not God over there and God's not as in much control over there as He is there. I mean, it's foolishness. It's irrational. But if I'm honest, that's how I think. And how a lion chaser needs to think is that we walk confidently and boldly knowing that our Father loves us and He wants good for us. And He's going to, when he, whatever He allows us to walk through is to draw us closer to Him and so that we... And we mirror the image of his son better. Uncertainty, if you allow it, will build um, up your faith. If you allow adversity, adversity really increases your capacity. You know, most of us want to live life without resistance. Most of us... Uh, my kids ask me how different people won the lottery. I'm like, hey, how is it? And I'm like, I really don't know. I think I've bought like three lottery, maybe five lottery tickets in my whole life. He's like, well, did you buy one last week? And I'm like, no. And Lee goes, well, Dad, you had the same odds as everybody else. And I'm like, yeah, like zero. Like it's, 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 I'm, not, I'm not great in math, but I know that that's not good math. But if we're honest, didn't we all want to win $1.5 billion? Because then we could do whatever we want. What we want is we want uh, resistance to be removed. It's like living in zero gravity. Do you know that astronauts, first off, if you want to make some money, uh, I'd like for you to give half of it to church. Uh, you can go and NASA will basically pay you to like live in a bed and not move for like two months. And it's like $70,000. Something just foolishness. 
You have to meet all these certain requirements, weight, height. I'm probably a little too heavy on that end, you know. But this is what they do. They're testing people on how they survive with zero gravity. Because whenever you face no resistance, your muscles begin to deteriorate. Your bones begin to deteriorate. And in a life with zero resistance, you're basically weak. So maybe God uses these moments when we're chasing lions and we feel this adversity enclosing us and we need to learn to embrace it. Maybe He's allowing that to strengthen you. If we're honest, uh, if you're anything like me, give me the billion dollars in the zero gravity. That's really what the cry of our hearts is. Faith has less to do with gaining knowledge. It's not the more you learn about God. Faith is about increasing wonder. You get drawn closer to this good Father, the Heavenly Father that loves you so much. And being in awe of Him, a reverence where you're like, why would you, the creator of the universe, everything, that by the power of the Word, it says that you spoke, and still today, whether you believe it's a billion years or 10,000 years, I ain't got time for that. You guys know me. I don't quibble over things that I don't think are gospel-centered. Whatever, however long you think. But this is a scientific fact. Since God spoke the world into existence, by the power of His words, the universe is still expanding. And He loves you. Like really, really intimate, deep, passionate love. And that's what faith, that's what happens when we embrace in uncertainty. Whenever you become a follower of Jesus, you really are relinquishing control. If I would have been Jesus' pitchman, right? I help him with how he's going to reach out into the community. And how he's going to start this revolutionary uh, movement that's going to change the world. Everything Jesus said, I would have told him not to say. Uh, Take up your cross and follow me. No, 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 Jesus. Let's say something smoother than that. Um, how about, hey, life's going to come with some sacrifice, but I still want you to follow me. Or, in order to lose, uh, in order to gain your life, you have to lose it. Now, Jesus, let's, let's, let's say something else. See, when it comes to becoming a follower of Jesus, we have to relinquish control. This is what Oswald Chambers said. To be certain of God means that we are uncertain in all His ways. We do not know what a day may bring forth. This is generally said to be a sign of sadness. It should rather be an expression of breathless expectation. Hmm. Your uncertainty should lead you towards breathless expectation of what goodness God will bring tomorrow. Your breathless expectation should be God's plan is better than the plan that I thought that I had. That's breathless expectation. There's a guy in our church who uh, has, uh, we have a prayer page, uh, we call it the Glorious Brothers. I don't have time to unpack it. It's where the dudes in the church, uh, we ask for prayer. We also have a prayer page too, but the men have their uh, page. And this guy for months has been looking for a job. Now all these people basically headhunted him. And then told him to come in. And he's been looking for a job for months. And he's, we, we, everybody's been praying. He, if, as a matter of fact, real honest, if I saw him post to pray one more time for an interview, like I'm like, man, we're just going to all continually pray for these interviews. 
And he kept walking through. And then as I got to talk to him, he was so frustrated because these people reached out to him, made him walk through like seven interviews, and then closed the door on him. And he was trying not to get discouraged and frustrated. And any time I talked to him, he was still positive. And every time I talked to him, he said, you know what, I'm I'm just going to keep being faithful. God has a perfect plan. I'm going to keep giving, although it's uncomfortable. I'm going to keep doing what God's told me to do. Do you know he got a job that he starts February 1st? This is going to be the best job with the best benefits and the highest pay that he's ever had. And he told me this. I'm so glad God closed all those other doors. It sucks when he's closing the doors, right? It's cool when he opens the right one. I'm just so proud of Roger. As he's walking through being faithful, even in a very frustrating circumstance. I remember I would call him or text him, and you can't hear tone in text, but I could tell him, I could ask him. And God was faithful. See, it means that we don't know what God might bring. There's some uncertainty. And this is what, the reason I'm challenging you to chase the lion, because I would rather you live a life embracing some uncertainty than living life with regret, saying, what if I would have chased that lion? What if I would have done that? See, most Christians, and I don't know that they're Christians, I'll be very careful when I say that, they don't chase lions because it seems impossible. They like to play it safe. These Christians, and I use that word loosely, have what I call the puppet God syndrome. They really want God to do what their will is, instead of God's will being done. I've been a puppet, some days I'm still like, hey God, i got to play it. Let me lay it out for you. This is probably so much better than anything you could think of. Right? No, am I the only one? I mean, that's how we treat God, right? We want God to fit into our little box of religion. We want God to fit in this little spiritual box and do things our way. And it's because of this safe view of God that most people that you meet towards the latter half of their life are miserable. And it's because they're living life saying, what if, instead of, I can't believe I did that. They live life with regret. And I don't want you to live your life with regret. I want you to believe that you can chase a lion. I want you to believe that you can embrace uncertainty. I would rather you have chased a lion than saying, man, what if I would have tried that? Benaiah has a sense of destiny. But I'm assuming that there's had to be some time where there was degree of uncertainty. Lion chasers are more afraid of living life with regret than they are of the lion. I'm reminded of this story, and you can read it later. It's in 1 Samuel 14. There's this guy, he's a prince. Um, Not prince that we know of. This is thousands of years ago. He's not the artist formerly known as prince. Totally different dude. His name's Jonathan. And Jonathan, uh, that was an old joke, I know, I'm sorry. Had to be at least 30 to get it. Uh, Jonathan has an armor bearer that's walking along with him, and there's some Philistines, some of the enemy, and they're outnumbered. And Jonathan tells his, his armor bearer, he says this phrase, hey, we're going to basically ask God if we're supposed to do this, and if God tells us yes, we're going to fight them, and perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. 
He said, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. I'm the armor bearer. I'm like, yo, Jonathan, I followed you a long time and it's been fun. Perhaps the Lord will act on your behalf. That's what I would have done. Because I'm not going where I'm outnumbered. I'm not going to go where I don't know if I'm going to have victory, right? That's what a lion chaser does. What if instead of spending all of our energy in making plans for God, we pursue God in His goodness? What if, what if instead of trying to get God to fit into our tight little spiritual box, we just say, God, whatever you want to do in my life, I'm going to roll with it because I know that you're with me. I think the longer I live, the more I think that um, spiritual maturity or sanctification or what we call around here the pursuit of holiness is less about figuring out what our future is and more about living a moment-by-moment life surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Surrendered to what God is asking us to do. Write this down. Your faith cannot be contingent upon your circumstance. Uh, everybody has their favorite verse in the Bible. I'm going to give you one of my least favorite. This is Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. This is what it says. It says, there are secrets the Lord God has not revealed to us. If I'm honest, I totally disagree with this. We have flash drives. Surely God could just smack a USB right on the head and like manna. I could plug it into my USB port and I could get his plan for the next three to five years. Wouldn't that be cool? But instead, <laughs> what we do is in our circumstances, that's how we determine our devotion. Whenever you're following Jesus, can you just go ahead and expect the unexpected? Just get it out of the way. Jesus said, he's, this is one of his promises. This is another time if I was managing Jesus. I'm like, yo, bro, those aren't good words. This is what he says. In this world, you will have trouble. Uh, Jesus, listen, how about we word it like this? In this world, there's going to be some circumstances, but you're going to get through it. I would have put it like a more positive, upbeat political spin on everything. But Jesus goes on to say, in this world you have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And every time he gives us, where we're going to have to embrace uncertainty, he always follows it up with us knowing that there's a positive end. We want the entire script up front, but that would totally undermine our dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Thank God for unpredictability. Because the truth is, the other side of that is monotony and boring. You cannot control your experiences, but you can control your response and your attitude in those experiences. There was a guy who survived a Nazi concentration camp. And um, he said, everything can be taken from a man but one thing. The last of the human freedoms is to choose one's attitude in any circumstance. Listen, positive uncertainties. I'm positive that uncertainties produce um, Fear sometimes. I don't want to make light of that. 
They produce, uh, there's uh, anxiety. I don't want to make light of that. Some of the things that you've had to walk through are painful. And I don't want to make light of that. But in Psalms chapter 5, the psalmist says this. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighings. Have you ever been praying and you're at a loss of words and all you can do is sigh? One translation translates it groaning. Another translation translates it lamenting. Give ear to my prayers. Give ear to my words, O Lord. And will you hear me even when I don't have the words? The Bible also tells us that sometimes when we're in those circumstances that the Holy Spirit will pray for us if we allow Him. In this book, the author quotes from another book, and the book is called Gorillas of Grace. And the author of that book's name is Ted Lauder, and I haven't picked up this book, but this is what he says. How shall I pray? Are tears prayers, Lord? Are screams prayers? Or groans, or sighs, or curses? Can trembling hands be lifted to you, or a clenched fist? Or the cold sweat that trickles down my back, or the cramps that knot my stomach? Will you accept my prayers, Lord, my real prayers, rooted in the muck and mud and rock of my life, and not just the pretty cut flowers, gracefully arranged bouquet of words? Will you accept me, Lord, as I really am, messed up mixture of glory and grime? The answer is yes. He wants the real you. The greatest hazard to your spiritual health is thinking that things of your past or the unknown of your future is left up to chance. It's not. Our confidence cannot be contingent upon our circumstance because God's character does not change. He's the same today as He was yesterday as He will be tomorrow. And we should walk confidently in that. Now I'm going to hurry through this last point. The greatest cure for uncertainty in your life is thankfulness and praise. So how do we embrace uncertainty? If we know it's a part of faith, it's just a part of our life, we cannot allow our circumstances to determine our attitude. We cannot allow our circumstances to be contingent upon our level of faith. And the other thing that I'm going to tell you to do to embrace uncertainty is just be thankful. In 1 Thessalonians, um, this is a letter to a church in Thessalonica. Thessalonica had written Paul a letter, and Paul writes them back a letter. So what we don't, we don't know the exact questions that they asked Paul, but we see the answers that Paul gives them. And this church in Thessalonica had a bunch of questions. There were things happening that they didn't fully understand. There were things going on that they didn't fully agree with. And they're basically saying this. They're like, Paul, listen, man, when you were here, you taught us some things. And they don't fool, they're not really lining up to what we thought we understood. Can you clarify some stuff? Because we are facing some opposition. We have a lot of uncertainty. And Paul's closing out his letter to this people. I just want you to have the context, okay? These are people that are uncertain. There's people that are dying and they don't think they should be dying. 
They are waiting for what Paul has taught them to happen and it's not happening. And so Paul writes him a letter and he closes out the letter like this. He says this, rejoice always. Everybody say always. Always. It's not sometimes or when you feel like it or when things are going good. It also means that we rejoice when everything has hit the fan. Rejoice always. He then says pray without ceasing. He says, give thanks in all circumstances. And then he tells us why we are to give thanks no matter what we are going through. Because it's God's will for our life. The greatest cure for uncertainty when you're on the path of chasing the lion is to be thankful. Don't let the wrong things of your circumstance rob your joy or steal your hope. Or keep you from worshiping what's good and what's right with God. Paul uh, is on a missionary journey. And he takes this guy named Silas with him. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about him. But we know that he was with Paul. And Paul and Silas are preaching the gospel. They're sharing their faith. And they're put in prison. I don't know if you saw that today that Pastor Saeed uh, is a pastor that was uh, put in an Iranian prison. He was convicted for sharing his faith. And he was sentenced to eight years of basically torture and hard labor. And he was released from prison today. And everything that I've read about his wife almost all has been good. But she said about how he's kept his attitude through all of this. And I'm like, you know, when like the water pump goes out or I get a hangnail, I freak out. Hangnails are the worst, right? I mean, and here's Paul and Silas. And I just reminded me of Pastor Saeed today. They're in the very worst circumstances of their life. They are put in prison. And the Bible says that their response in that is to sing hymns and praises to God. I wish, I hope, that's my faith. I hope that I believe, even in challenging circumstances, that I can sing praises and hymns to God. Do you know one of the purest forms of worship is praising God even when you don't feel like it. You know why? It proves that your worship and your relationship with God isn't circumstantial. It proves that God, you know what? I'm going to worship you and adore you and praise you in the bad. And I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. And I'm going to adore you in the good. You know, we are stronger when we are facing a lion. Because uncertainty really is a part of following Christ. You don't have to be uncertain about your place in Him. You don't have to question whether your your life is His. If you have surrendered your life to Him, you don't have to worry about that. It's not that uncertainty. It's the uncertainty of maybe a challenge that you're facing. You can embrace that. You know, there's a pastor, his last name is Stanley. But he says this, that whenever you're about to go through something or when you need to make a decision, he says, you can only ever be really about 80% sure. So maybe you're wrestling with this lion this week. And you're like, you know, you, you mentioned it last week and I've been kind of thinking, what lion am I supposed to be chasing? And I'm, just, I'm, I'm in, I, I just really don't know. I'm just telling you. And you'll only ever really be 80% sure. Just start chasing the lion. We embrace uncertainty 
When we do not allow our faith to be contingent upon our circumstances. And the greatest response that any of us as followers of Christ can do in uncertainty is worship and praise. What is your lion? It might be changes. What's it like the lion you need to be chasing right now? What's the lion? I think about Jesus' lion. Jesus' lion was death. He lived his life chasing the same lion that he knew one day he would experience the most excruciating, that's where we get the word crucifixion, the most excruciating form of capital punishment ever invented by man so that you and I never had to be separated from God. He was always chasing that lion. He chased the lion called death so that you could have life. What lion are you to be chasing today? If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, it's a great day to give it to Him. If you are a Christian, then what lion are you supposed to be chasing? Will you continue to chase it in spite of any uncertainty? Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of Audacity or support this ministry financially, you can get more information at loveservego.com.